Hello, everybody. Hope you're all having a great week. Uh, welcome to episode 33 of Customers Who Click. Today, we've got Zach Schiffman here with us. Zach is the founder of Studio Z, a marketing agency which specializes in using photography and video to create amazing customer activation experiences for brands. This can be photo booths or uh, slow motion video, boomerang experiences, and loads more, kind of depending on whatever the brand wants to do. These are great ways to boost customer engagement, build up user-generated content, and even collect data that can be used to further personalize and engage those customers. Let's get Zach on to explain how brands can do this. Hi, Zach. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to uh, great to chat with you. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background, and why you do what you do at the moment. Yeah. So um, I'm 33 years old, and I went to college for television production and Um, I did a double major with entertainment marketing because I always said to myself, what if one day I decide I hate the TV world and I want to do something else? I wanted to make sure I was covered on all basis. Uh, But the marketing world always fascinated me. It started with, um, I used to love to do focus groups through college and and the qualitative and quantitative marketing of that. And that whole aspect fascinated me. And then it just continued to grow. And um, out of college, I took a job with ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, and um, I was working there and I thought, you know, I want to do something more. Um, I wanted to start a side business, a side hustle, if you will. And um, I saw a photo booth at my cousin's wedding in Las Vegas in 2009. And I thought, wow, that's something I think I could do. I've always been into photography. Uh, I'm a I'm a techie at heart. I'm a nerd. I love all things electronics and new tech and Apple and and all that stuff. So about six months afterwards, I think it was, um, I decided, you know what, let's give it a go. And I opened my company up. I started with Groupon. This was back in the day when Groupon was one sale a day and you were kind of blasted out to everybody in your market. And I was... I was super cheap. I was just going for like weddings and birthday parties, you know, for $200 and it it took off. And the hard part was I was getting a ton of bookings, but I was working a chaotic TV schedule where I didn't know my shifts more than two weeks out ahead of time. So it was very hard to, to plan and accept bookings. Fast forward about two years, I took a different TV job in New York City that was more, first of all, I was freelance now, and it was a nine to, uh, or an early morning job. Um, so I was done by three in the afternoon at the latest. So I always knew I had my weekends and nights available. So I really then kind of shifted focus of my company, sort of built the brand a little bit more and put a focus on the corporate uh the corporate world versus uh, the social world. I mean, we still do tons of weddings and social events, but our core competency really is is the corporate world. And since then, it's just taken off. And I've had my my TV world merge with my with my my side hustle world a little bit as well. Um, being in TV, I, I meet a lot of people, uh, a lot of companies, a lot of representatives, and there, there's this great crossover between the two while I still do try to keep them separate, obviously. But I would say in the past five years, this brand has really taken off. And now we're, we're not just the New York market. We 
traveled to China. We've traveled to Los Angeles multiple times, Vegas. We'll work anywhere that somebody wants us. Oh, that's awesome. So, so is this a, so is it a full-time thing now or is it still? Uh, so it's, it's hard to say because uh, what is full-time to an entrepreneur who owns a business? I, I think it's always been full-time while I still work full-time. 2020 has obviously changed things too, where I used to work Monday through Friday. In March, my TV job disappeared. Um, they went to a skeleton crew and, and as freelancers, we were all taken off of our work for a while. Um, so I was really without my main job for most of this year. And also with Corona, there were no events happening. So my business world also just took this huge halt and I, I, I've pivoted to the virtual space and that's been my focus for probably about the past six months. And now I'm still sort of creeping back into my, my day job, as you will. I, I, I take freelance work here and there where I can. So I kind of have two full-time jobs, but I'm a workaholic. I love it. I love coming home and shifting gears and, and focusing on something that I'm building versus something that I'm building for someone else. Yeah, it's definitely, that's, I mean, that's great, isn't it? It's, uh, it's always good to have that uh, kind of project or business or, you know, something that you're just really passionate about and that you want yeah, to come home and, and work on and, and you're just thinking about all the time. You know, for some people, that's something that's completely unrelated to to their job, their day job. And for other people, yeah, it's, it's you know, a business on the side that kind of takes some aspects of the day job, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, cool. So, uh, Jonas, tell us a bit more about um, just kind of how brands can use photo booths for marketing and, and this experiential stuff. Sure. Um, and then maybe just a little bit about the virtual stuff that you've pivoted to as well. Yeah. So we'll start with the real world events, which was really what photo booths was until 2020. Um, I mean, if you go back in history, photo booths date back to like the chemical uh, darkroom style era where you would go into a booth. It would uh, capture and and physically process uh, your two by six print or whatever it was with with chemicals and darkroom style esque automation and would drop it down. That evolved into your mall carnival kiosk, and then probably in the past 10, 15 years, um, we've evolved into what I like to call the open air photo booth market, which are like kiosk style, non-enclosed, very transportable, very easy to bring to any type of event. And as technology's grown, it's become more of um, more digital, more instant, more variety. Uh, we do everything is shareable. Everything is brandable. Um, and we try to work with brands to push their message or their branding to the next level. So Take before Corona hit, we were in talks for Coachella and we were working with an agency talking um, about what they could do for BMW. And when you hear photo booths, you hear you, you instantly think, oh, it's just a camera. We're taking a photo, getting a print. We try to be more than that. We try to think outside the box and find new and innovative ways. So we were working with this company on creating a mini commercial at Coachella for BMW for their guests, where they would sit in um, a, a car and we would have a large robotic arm that's used for uh, motion pictures and commercials, and it would fly around the car and it would capture um, 
the guest in the car in slow motion, ramped up to high speed, and it would create this 60-second mini commercial that's branded that gave that guest something that like they've never seen before, something they instantly wanted to share with all their friends. Um, those are the types of experiences that we look to provide to brands. Yeah, so these kind of really... Yeah, like experiences, isn't it? Like experiential marketing, these these things which really engage people and really make people want to share them. Definitely. My, Not, my, my feeling is that the on-site experience is just as important as their digital takeaway. So like, yeah, you get the file or the photo or the video at the end, but you want that person to walk away being like, what I just did was really, really cool and really different and something they want to talk about to the at the water cooler the next day, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not just something that they pick up. They they find in their desk, you know, a year later. Right. Like, oh yeah, I went to that event. Oh yeah, that's that, that photo and goes in the it's, junk drawer. It's a bit more than that. I had something, uh, some something quite, I guess, quite similar actually with Google once. Um, might have been at the Festival of Marketing here in London. Um, I have a, a little mug that has a, an Android printed on it. Oh, but cool. I got, but I got to design it. So they had this. Um, I, I guess they were like I. Well, probably not iPads, um, but tablets or, or something that, uh, yeah, you literally picked like a hairstyle, um, I think like skin color, clothing and a few other bits. And then they printed it on a mug there and then for you. And I've yeah. still got that. And it's it's not that thing that I just go, oh, yeah, that was a cool event. It's it's something that I'm actually like, I make sure this mug is is kept safe. <laughs> That's really, really cool. But um talking about that virtual world and and what we're doing now we we pivoted into providing virtual activations for for companies photos gifts boomerangs virtual mosaics and something i actually saw i have a lot of friends in the industry we're very tight knit um we go to conventions every year as most major industries do they're some of my best friends we bounce ideas off of each other and something I saw one of my friends do that I absolutely loved. He partnered with McDonald's and they created this virtual mosaic experience where guests uploaded photos that built out um, uh, a final image. And it was about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and empowerment and whatnot. And everyone could write a message and the mosaic was interactive, but then they took it one step further and they mailed everybody who submitted a photo a uh, reusable tote bag with that final mosaic image and a $5 McDonald's gift card. And I just thought that was something so cool and unique in 2020 where they can't have these in-person physical events, but could still give that wow factor takeaway. And I was like, I was in awe. I said to my friend, I'm like, you're, you're the greatest man. I don't know how you came up with that idea, but I love it. Um, I'm going to steal it. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> But those yeah. are the, you know, those are the kind of things that it, I got mine. I, you know, I just, I did it to see what, it, what his workflow and his experience was like. And I forgot about it. And like a month and a half later, I got a random, you know, FedEx package. I'm like, what is this? And I opened it and it was the tote bag. And I was like, huh, that's really, really cool. I think I'll go grocery shopping with this now. Yeah. And it'd be something that you'll, uh, you'll hold on to a while. It's, it's definitely more meaningful than the, the bags you pick up at a conference just because right. they handed out with some goodies. Right, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's more meaningful, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Surprised this isn't a bigger thing already. Really, you know, I I can't think of many brands at all that that I've seen doing this sort of activity. 
Um, in, not in, in the in UK. Virtual or just in general? Uh, either, really. I mean, yeah. obviously, you get loads of um, like in person, you know, think... little bits. Um, but even then, most of them aren't that like engaging and things. They they kind right. of tend to be just what you'd consider a photo booth. I think where you start to see a lot of this right now and, and the most unique ones at that are like music festivals and large scale events where um, sponsors are looking for ways to engage. So if you take something like iHeartRadio, they do well, before Corona, they did festivals all over the country and probably around the world too, with some of the top pop, uh, pop acts and top 40, they have a country festival, this and that. And we used to do an event called Jingle Ball and it would come to um, New York City to Madison Square Garden every December. And th this event sells out instantly. It's half tickets given away to sponsors and PR and, and whatnot, and half are sold. And then they have what they call um, oh, I forget the name they use, but they, they put on a little festival in a different theater during the day that's free to anybody with some smaller acts and whatnot. But all it is, is like 30 different sponsors, each with their own activation. And everyone's trying to outdo themselves, be it uh, a room that you go in where all the furniture's upside down, ball pits you can jump in, confetti throwing, this and that. But all the output ever is, is it's a way for these kids to have fun and it's a way to slap a brand's logo on it and hope that they share it. And I mean, yeah. the, that so many people share this stuff because they're using these unique styles. We did um, one year, we made a sound recording booth for Brookstone and um, they were promoting Ariana Grande's new cat ear headphones. I mean, these were the most ridiculous headphones you've ever seen. Like, I, but young girls love them. Um, and they, they, the whole thing was come do a boomerang, throw some confetti wearing these headphones in our quote unquote sound booth. And if you share it on Instagram with these three hashtags, you can be, you're entered to win the headphones and two tickets to the concert that started five hours later across the street. And we sat there and we watched 350 people post to Instagram in two hours with their outputs. And then we called off, we DM'd uh, a winner and we heard the scream from across the room. And these two girls came running, crying <laughs> because they just won two tickets to this concert that they're dying to go see and couldn't get tickets to. That is pretty cool to be fair. That's uh, yeah. I mean, the huge engagement, uh, you know, and I guess that like the, what the cost the cost of putting something like that on is, is what, nothing really, is it? Minimal. And uh, I um, always try to tell my clients and brands this. I'm like, a lot of clients just think, oh, if we have a photo booth or if we do this, people are willy-nilly going to just tag us, use our hashtag, post it to their social media and give us all this free press. And it's not... It's not that way anymore. I think it used to be when Instagram was first popular and everyone's like, what's a hashtag? And like you were slapping 800 hashtags on everything because you thought it was cool. Yeah. And now, you know, everybody's an influencer. Everybody wants to be paid for their time. Why am I posting this for you for free? I always tell brands, you need to have a call to action. There needs to be something tangible or something that they can win to drive engagement. Otherwise, people are, are, are never going to hashtag it for you. They're never going to tag you in the post. Um, and a lot don't believe me. And then I said, let's just try it. And then they come back and they're like, okay, you were right. And I'm like, all you have to do is give away a $50, you know, 
swag gift. It's such a minimal cost to you, but can yeah. can elevate you and makes us look better, frankly, in the end, when you see that many people posting, you know, um, it makes them want to come back for, for more bookings. It's amazing. Like it's so many aspects of marketing as well. I, I see this kind of attitude of, um, oh, it, like people will just do it. It's fine. Like yeah. our, web, our website's live. People will just, if people land on it, they'll buy things. Or right. when we drive traffic, they'll buy things. Right. Or we'll run a competition on social media. Uh, we've got, you know, might have a hundred thousand followers on social media on, on Instagram, for example. But the assumption is that just by posting it and asking people to tag, uh, tag themselves or tag a friend or whatever, um, or, or kind of more, I guess, more to get engagement on, on things. You know, they'll ask questions. But if there's nothing in it for people, right? The, the engagement you get is 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 minimal. Right, um, totally. And I think maybe on on social media, like obviously, if you exclude the the take the real life part out of it, but um, I think there have been some kind of more dodgy competitions that have burnt people a little bit. Well, not burnt them, but you know, just turned out not to be entirely true. Yeah. Um, I remember there was one a few years ago. I can't remember exactly what was going on, but I think if you interacted with them on social media in a certain way. Uh, on on Instagram, you got like a free bathing suit or something, uh-huh. and it was I think it was a, a red women's bathing suit, like one particular style. I, I really can't remember what was going on, but they um they actually didn't think about how well it would do. Um, they kind of I guess they they went the opposite way and thought, well, we'll promote it a bit, we'll get a few influencers and whoever to to market it, mm-hmm. but we're expecting this level of people and it, i think it was like 10 20 times that number did it like um, bankrupt them <laughs> I, I i'm not exactly sure i think they just kind of terminated it oh but, okay but there was yeah i remember actually there was a big thing about their terms and conditions didn't state any of this sort of stuff so um their terms and conditions didn't protect them from just taking the competition down oh wow it was basically once you have entered it that's it you're entitled to your i, I think it was free plus shipping Okay, sure. Um, things. So yeah, it's uh people don't they don't plan for how, exactly for how things are actually going to go. Um whether whether that's planning to to promote it more and make it work or or kind of, you know, maybe not thinking it'll, it'll actually explode like it would. Um Yeah, I mean in one sense it's awesome how much recognition they got, but then they just handled it really poorly. And it's yeah. almost like yeah, it's almost exactly. like a loss leader. You just have to take that hit for the better of your brand at the end. I mean, I, I think supply was a big issue for them. Oh, okay. I, I, sure. I literally don't think they could actually fulfill all these it. orders. Okay. Um, you know, we're talking thousands and thousands. It like it really sure. exploded on social yeah. media. Um or on Inst- on Instagram specifically, I think. Um I think it, it might have been one of these things that kind of led to some of the regulation. On uh, on running competitions and ads and things on on social media, they they wanted to make it a bit clearer what what brands were doing. Um, but yeah, we okay, so I've moved off topic a little bit. No, but it's um, definitely you know it's interesting because I, I jokingly wrote like hashtag sponsored on a Instagram story once, like that on my personal account. I think I was drinking a white claw and I joked that like I should be sponsored and I wrote hashtag sponsored and then like 
instantly I got flagged on Instagram. They're sending me notices saying like, if this is sponsored content, you need to disclose it. You need to do this X, Y, Z. And I'm like, holy crap, this was just a joke. Like calm down. And like instantly you like your, your shadow banned on the, on, on the platform. Oh, right. It was that, the, that strict on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, m- most people get away with just putting hashtag ad. Yeah. It seems, which is like the easiest, the smallest thing you can do. Right. And obviously it gets tucked in between about 30 other hashtags. Yeah, of course. So, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, well, it does, I know this is getting really off topic now, but it, it does bother me when uh, people give uh, what feels like it should be a genuine review uh, of a product right. or a, like a genuine, uh, I really like this product, but actually is just sponsored. And yeah. they are just saying that. And you're a bit like, well, you know, now I don't know what to, to really believe. Like, do, yeah. do you actually like this product or are you just being paid to say that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the influencers that I believe the most are when they say I'm not being paid for this, I just want to talk about it. I mean, whether or not that's a lie, I don't know. But I'm like, huh, okay, if you like this so much that you're not being paid and you still want to talk about it, then it must be good. Yeah, I've, I've seen that a few times. I, I feel like they are they are probably genuine uh, yeah. enough to. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the the backlash if they got found out, yeah, uh, would be worse. Would would be yeah, would be pretty <laughs> damaging, probably in the short term. But uh, yeah, so um, are there any kind of myths or misconceptions about uh, using photo booths for for brands and, and for marketing? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think we just touched upon it a little bit with that you believe that just because you have an activation that people are going to share it. That's not necessarily true. Um, I, I think some people think, why do I need a photo booth? Why do I need this activation? Um, my event has a sushi conveyor belt. That's enough. Like, um, like cool, but there's always something you can do more. Um, people haven't seen what photo booths have evolved to in the past five years. They still believe it's this clunky machine that you see in a mall and go into and get a little photo strip. And that's just not the case. I mean, at our basic, when we're just doing regular photos or GIFs with prints, we're still using high-end digital SLR and studio-style strobe lighting. We're we're providing the highest quality photo. Um, People love this. They call it the Kardashian uh, glamour filter. Uh, there was a company called Mirror Mirror that made made it known. It was like a skin smoothing filter, and they do all the Kardashians' birthday parties. So then, of course, the industry took off with that, and we offer it. Everyone pretty much offers that now, and it's a huge trend. And it's just something at the time was so different. They were like, oh, my God, I can get this professionally retouched photo when I go into a photo booth automatically. And we're like, yeah. That's the style now. Like it's not your your grandmother's photo booth. Get rid of that misconception. We're so much more. Um, but then we'll get a brand that you know uh, we do a lot of PR and um, product release events to the influencer markets where it's invite only, fifty people, yada yada. And they'll they'll say we want a photo booth, and I say okay, let's do something. Let's break the norm. And they're like, we can do that. And I'm like, yeah, like, w- tell me about, tell me about what your product is. And this one hairstyle company comes and we're like, well, we have a new shampoo body wash. Um, it's a four in one and it's called their brand was sexy hair and, and their product was called foursome. 
And I'm like, okay, you have a lot to go with here. So we ended up creating them a shower that people got in and we had models on hand. So there were always four people in the video and it was slow motion of you and your friend and the models or you and three models, male and female. And it was like you were in a shower with loofahs scrubbing each other. And then we overlaid uh, steam and it was all in slow motion and it ended up fogging up the video and revealed the hashtag sexy hair foursome. And I mean, this was something, you know, it was an event for like 25, 30 people, but it was one of my favorite events we've ever done. We just loved the output of it. And it just totally broke that like idea in the client's head of what a photo booth could be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's almost like you're creating an advert for them, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like you, yeah. you could see, like, I'm, I'm obviously trying to kind of picture what you were describing, but yeah, you, you could see that being a bit of like a, a funny advert for the brand that they totally. use on YouTube or or Facebook and, and things like that. And and we've done that too, where we take adverts and I, I, I'll say to a client, like, show me what you've done so far to promote this. And I'll be like, why don't we just recreate this? We did um, an event for Food Network and they were launching this new app where it's, you know, on-demand cooking classes you watch on your iPad. And I said, well, this is awesome. Why don't we transport people into the app? And they're like, what are you talking about? And we made a graphic of an iPad laying on um, a table with like ingredients all around. And we green screen them in behind the counter that the chefs normally cook at. And we made, we, we made it look like they were physically in the app with all the branding, all the buttons that you would see on the app. And we made everyone their own chef. And like, it was, we, we made them basically their, their own print ad for their own cooking show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I mean, that awesome. goes back to back in the day when you would do team sports and they'd put you on a fake magazine cover, you know? If you remember those as a kid, I mean, I have I'm, definitely I'm not had sure one we had when, that I was, here. <laughs> when I played soccer at the age of six, you know? And it's like fake sports illustrated. Yeah. <laughs> so just going back to kind of the start of what you were saying about um, the sushi conveyor belt. Yeah. Um, I think you see that sort of thing at a lot of B2B conferences yes. where service providers will kind of enterprise level service providers will turn up. They will create their stand and their stand will be designed to obviously to attract attention. Um, it'll have something gimmicky about it to, to keep people there, which, you know, it might be some like a bar, you know, yep. sometimes they'll have people making crazy cocktails or like a yep. sushi conveyor belt. But yeah, the issue is there's not really a lot of reason to share that. Right. You, you you might walk away from it and go, that's pretty cool. Um, you might think of it next year and go, oh, I wonder if they have the sushi conveyor belt again. Yeah. I, like your, your biggest, you your biggest hope with that is that you walk by and someone goes, hey, where'd you get that sushi? And you're like, oh, it's at uh, IBM's booth over there. They have a sushi conveyor belt. Yeah. And then, it, yeah, you know, that's their the biggest takeaway. But yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't really engage you. You know, right. if, if you shared that on social media, people would just be like, all right, great. There's a, there's a sushi place at the conference. Yeah. You have, you're having lunch. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, like there's gotta be, there's gotta be that interactive side, that, that, that yeah. thing that makes people want to share it. Um, there I mean, and, then. And, and it's specifically stuff that no one else can get, you know, if you're not at that event. You see that a lot in in the B2C world too with um, conventions, like especially in the beauty space, there's an event called BeautyCon that travels the country. And 
I was, I've been to two of them and it's every major beauty brand has a booth and it's all who can outdo everybody else. I mean, and it could be flashing lights, it could be photo walls, Instagram spots. And I'd say 90% of them have a photo booth and they're all doing something different and they're all going for that top spot of uh, who has the coolest activation in this space. But at the end of the day, it's just all companies hawking their products and giving samples away to 14-year-old girls, but they eat that shit up. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, are they, is there actually much difference between them or are they all like kind of effectively just a photo booth? Um, they're definitely, now more than in the past, there's definitely differences a lot of it comes down to even if you're just even if everyone was just doing like a three photo animated gif it all comes down to the fabricator they're using and what kind of scene they can build you know it's no longer like oh just stand in front of this white backdrop and take a photo they're like 3d backdrops things you could sit on um put you into like a different space a different world even um and those those things can can take something basic like a photo and then just really elevate it to something more modern. It's pretty cool. I don't go to many uh, conventions and things like yeah. that. So. <laughs> cool. So uh, I know you kind of touched on this a bit already, but um, yeah, just what are, what are some of the key things brands need to be considering for, for doing customer activation in this way? Um, yeah, uh, definitely one set aside a budget. Some people have illusions of grandeur with a $500 budget and it's just not possible. Um, I think they have to understand what it is we do. Anyone can provide a camera and and a light on a stand, but not everyone has the experience to understand the bigger overall picture and what their end result is. Um, you know, there are a lot of photo booth companies that are really DJs that just have a photo booth as an add-on that don't really know the corporate world. They're just they're just bottom barrel. You know we're cheap and they can attract some of these clients. Besides that, I, I, it's, it's a lot of managing expectations and talking about goals and, and end results and what they expect and what kind of metrics they want and how are we going to achieve it and, and how are we going to do it together? It's not one-sided. It's definitely a, a team effort to, to get to the final, the final end goal. A lot of it too, help us help you. If if you don't provide me creative elements, I can only do so much. If you can give me your brand guidebook, your your style guide, um, layered files from print ads or from TV spots or, or anything you have, the more you can give us of your product, your brand, your message, the, the more creative I can get in creating custom animations and, and ridiculous overlays and green screens and, and whatnot. But if you just tell me like, here's our logo in a vector file and our colors are blue and green, I can only go so far. And yeah. I don't want to disappoint you, you know, because sometimes the client will see this, what you did for this client was amazing, but here's just a logo. I'm like, well, I can't recreate that. Like I, I need more from you. I need to understand your brand. One of the things that drives me insane is uh, I'll have a, a client that will say like, here's our logo, here's this and that. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do with this? No, oh, I don't know. Um, let's just like, we'll do like a black background and we'll just take nice photos. And I'm like, okay. And then I get there and I see like this amazing fabricated flower wall with flashing lights and all this stuff. And I'm like, why didn't you mention this? We could have done so much with this. 
We could have done the photos here. Like, and I'm just like, this was such a missed opportunity. And I don't know if that's um, too many cooks in the kitchen and like different departments or different managers or whatnot, but that's why I say, you know, we all have to work together and, and help each other to come up with these ideas. Yeah, I think it's probably one of those things where you need to say to them, look, just tell me exactly what you are doing for this event already. Mm-hmm. Don't, it's not a, like, don't tell me what you think you want us to do or what this like photo booth thing should be. Just tell me exactly what you are doing for this event. Yeah. All the props, all the, like anything you've got, all the creative. And then, yeah, you'll, you'll come up with something to, to fit into it. And then there there are weird times too where I'll have a client, you know, and they don't want to send me an NDA, but they don't want to tell me what they're doing. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and I had this one client and they said, we just want to do three photos. We don't want any branding and we want prints. And I'm like, you don't want it branded? And they're like, nope, no branding. And I was like, okay. And I show up and it's for this diamond company. And it's a PR event. And they built out this huge enclosure in the shape of a diamond. And it's like a mirror room, almost like a fun house, which everything worked fine. But had they told me this beforehand, I would have brought different lighting, a different setup to make sure that, you know, the images were the best they could be because mirrors obviously reflect. Uh, but they didn't want to tell me this. But then oh, all yeah. of a sudden, it's all A-list models showing up. I mean, you're talking Chrissy Teigen, Coco Roca, uh, Zendaya, and they're all taking photos in, in this photo booth. And I'm like, hey, I couldn't believe they didn't want it branded. But at the end, I think that was their strategy call because all these models posted it. And maybe they wouldn't have posted it if it had a Forever Mark logo on it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing to watch these shares and like your product come to life on the internet and the reposts and the fan accounts. And, and it was like nonstop for like two days. But I mean, had we talked a little bit more, we probably could have elevated this to the next level. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, people, it's people who hold back details because they're worried they'll give you too much information and, right. And sway, sway your, your thinking. I mean, I know, uh, I speak to, speak to someone else about this, uh, recently as well. How, uh, yeah, if you're too prescriptive um, with a brief or something, you get back exactly what you've described, even yeah. though you're not yeah. the expert. Right. So, yeah, I, I've had it with websites where I, I've put together some wireframes um, and, and gone, look, this is, this is kind of what I'm thinking, um, but I need you to go ahead and you, you're the designer, you design it. Um, but they literally design exactly what I've wireframed. This wasn't a like the final wireframe that I wanted to right. totally use. This was just me creating some sort of visual aid for you uh, to go away and use. And, and so I suppose, yeah, maybe people are thinking if, if they give you too much information, it'll it'll mess with your creative ability. Right. Um, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I mean, knowledge is power at the end. and I, Yeah, ab- Absolutely. It's one um, of my pet peeves when a client like wants to withhold information. Like, just send me an NDA. I'm not going to go call the New York Post and and tip them off about this event. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, but that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it does happen. I mean, I mean, I've yeah, I've had various phone calls and things recently where every now and again someone will say, "Oh yeah, just just to be clear, I'm, I'm sure this doesn't have to be say, but this said, but this is confidential." I'm yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to put the phone down or, or you know get, get off this Zoom call and 
<laughs> I like phone up your competitor and say, "Oh, right. I've got the numbers from from these guys. Are you interested?" Like, <laughs> it, does, it, it wouldn't really even mean much to them. But right, yeah. So, um, uh, again, I, I, I guess it's probably just a flip side to what we talk we've been talking about. But um, are there any like other mistakes people make? So you know, we talked about what, but budget kind of p- planning it a bit. But yeah, just other um, other mis- other big mistakes. Sometimes I think we're thought of as an afterthought too, and it ends up being the best part of their event. And I, I, I don't I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I, I'd say that about any activation company doing, doing these things that people think that like, oh yeah, well, and we'll add a photo booth in the corner downstairs where no one's going to go like, and people miss out. And yeah. I don't understand why. Um, and and then my other recent pet peeve or, or mistake that I think some companies are making, and it's weird because I have this one school that I'm working with that they keep coming back for more. They're on there like, we're doing virtual events for them. And they've done, I think, four events with us. And like each of them have had under 10 photos taken, but they keep coming back. But I, I try to tell them like, how are you, you need to promote, especially now in this virtual space, like... How are your, you have thousands of students on, on your campus. How are you promoting this that only 10 people are finding it? Um, but for some reason, they're happy. And I, I, I feel bad, <laughs> you know. Um, the cost per photo is very high for them at 10 photos total. Um, yeah. But I, I want to see everybody succeed. So I, I want to make sure that if you're hiring us, you're doing everything that you can to promote it and make it known. Um, and that we're not an afterthought and just something, you know, that's checking a box somewhere for somebody. Yeah. I suppose that's exactly it, isn't it? Either brands just being like, Oh yeah, I suppose, I suppose we probably should just get a photo booth. Let's just stick it in the corner. Um, or it's just on that checklist of, we have to have a photo booth. Right. And it, don't, don't really know why. I don't really have a plan for it, but right. it's we, just like, we're oh, doing this conference. What do we, events have? They have a photo booth. Like, yeah, we, we have a stand. At the stand, we need to have, uh, you know, some, some chairs, some marketing material, a photo booth to engage people right. and stuff like that. And I suppose the way I kind of see it is, uh, I guess, is um, you guys are, are kind of like the, the landing page. Right. You know, it's... It, you, you send send traffic to the landing page. The landing page collects the leads, which is getting people to interact with the photo booth and, and, and the experience. And then you can move them on to, you know, trying to get the purchase or the sale or whatever and, and trying to get more out of them at a later stage. And um, you know, so it needs, it's such a crucial bit. It shouldn't just be a, like a gimmicky thing. We, we, we right. put this over in the corner if you, if you want to take a look. We're also more than just, the physical output or the, excuse me, the digital output that someone gets. Um, when, when guests share, if we are sharing via text message to their phone, the way they receive that GIF is via a link. They click that link and they're taken to a microsite and we build those microsites out to completely match their brand. We can build it on their domain if they want. And they, they have the IT structure to let us do that. Um, and it just, it gives this opportunity for for brands to once again push their message, push another call to action, 
drive them to some sort of lead generator or more information or whatnot. Like it doesn't have to end with the photo and the print. We, we can be a bridge in disguise to retargeting and remarketing and, and all of this. Yeah, exactly. Um, could, can you do uh, like a unique code on each print? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah, you could, you could, people uh, engage with the experience, get the print, print has a code on it. They go to the microsite, put their code in mm-hmm. and get a discount or a free totally. sample or I mean, that, it, that it, next stage engagement with the actual product or, or, you know, the actual brand itself. There, there are other things we can do. And this is why I love when clients come to me with ideas, because then we, we start this conversation and we bounce back. I mean, we have print media that can print, um, a four by six that's perforated and becomes a four by four square photo. And then a two by four strip that can be a coupon. And they just rip that right off their print. And now they have a physical coupon and takeaway. Um, we're, we're doing things. We're looking in the digital space where with these virtual photo booths, well, now malls are reopening in, in America. Um, one of, I live next to the second biggest mall in the country. It just opened. It's been cursed for years with permits and building. And then it was set to open. It's soft opened and then Corona hit and they've been shut down for six months. Where, so where's that? Mall, I think, think I've heard of that. Uh, it's called American Dream, ironically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it has a water park and a theme park in it. And, and the stores are just starting to open. But how are they bringing customers in? And I see them all over TikTok and Instagram with they have like photo walls and and different areas that, you know, guests are Instagrammable spots that, that helps spread their message. But, you know, we could take a store like Sephora and if they came to us and said, what can we do to get people into this location? And I say, you know, well, we can make a virtual photo booth and have a guest take a branded photo or GIF. But afterwards we can do a few different things. We can do a scratch off card where uh, they win various prizes, be it free product, um, discount codes, et cetera. And we can set those parameters or we can do a hybrid of uh, virtual and physical where they're given a four digit pin code and they have to go to the Sephora in the mall and there is a clear safe with product in it and they will enter their code on a door. And if that code is a winning code, that door will unlock and they win that prize. But now you've brought customers into the store from yeah. the virtual space and you're you're hopefully converting them into a customer that day as well be it they won or not now you know they physically went out of their way to come to your retail establishment what are you going to do now now it's in their hands you know now get yeah. them convert them <laughs> yeah exactly it's like um you know if, if they didn't care about the product they, they wouldn't go to the store Right. So once you've got them in the store, the chance of then, you know, all right, you might might not get the sale, but at least you'll have them kind of browse the products properly. And Um, like, I mean, I don't go, I haven't been to a mall in ages. I just don't, I don't have that desire in the current climate and with America respiking and everything. Like I just don't, I can do everything online, but I understand that that stores are hurting, but that like, and, and something like this could be so simple to, to drive people back. Yeah. I um I remember a, a case study on um, on uh, using people's locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was uh, this was years ago now. It was for a a footwear store in I think it was like 
Colombia or Mexico or somewhere. And um, I can't remember exactly how it worked, but basically they detect that you were, whichever app it was that, that used this, um, it would detect that you're in a competitor's store and ping you a discount for the store they were targeting. Um, and But the discount started to decline. So it would start at something like 90%, but it would just start to drop on the screen in front of you. And they've got this video of a guy sprinting through this mall to get That's to the amazing. store where he can actually redeem it. That's amazing. Um, it seems is, very uh, intrusive, but it's amazing. Yeah, and I, I know. The way I've described it sounds really intrusive, but there was it, it was through a particular app that this person would have. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are definitely, I forget what they call them, like air tags or, or beacons that stores can put in that can trigger things on phones and especially if you have that store's app or, or whatnot. Yeah, um, I, I looked into beacons years and years ago. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think they ever really took off. No, I, you um, know, I see. I don't know if it's beacons or I think that we have this, this thing in America. There's this guy who runs a sports website, but he became known for doing pizza reviews. He eats pizza every day. And okay. he's like the number one authority on like where the best pizza is. And he created a whole app environment around it. And this app literally pings me. Like if I'm crossing the Brooklyn Bridge, it'll be like, oh, uh, Defara's is nearby. It's Dave rated it a 9.7. Every time I pass this, the same spot on the bridge, it triggers that. And I think that's a beacon in work, but I'm like, huh, if I had the time, I would stop. Like it, it, it works. It, it could just be geofencing. It could be I, geofencing. I think, I think because geofencing has got a bit more accurate and a bit more reliable, okay, sure. that's probably why beacons have become a bit redundant. Sure. You can literally geofence a store. Yeah. And so if you can do that, why why do you need to set a beacon up? Right. Um, totally. And it means, you know, for every new store you have, uh, you can, it means you can also target competitors yep. <laughs> much more easily, <laughs> um, which which is quite fun. Um, yeah. Um, so I suppose on, on those lines, actually, then, uh, do, you, do you see any big trends coming on the virtual side? Um, and, maybe, and maybe virtual to, virtual to in-store? Yeah, I I I, I want to see this virtual to in-store sort of take off, um, be it the virtual starting from social campaigns or email campaigns or to um, QR codes outside of the physical store as a way to drive people in as they're walking by. Um, the one thing that 2020 has brought us is the resurgence of QR codes. And I've always known how powerful a QR code is and what it can do. But I think most people didn't or they thought it was antiquated. It's actually very old tech. Um, and now everyone's using QR codes because you're scanning menus this way. Yeah. Um, and and which is great because now it's opened the world for my industry to once again bring QR codes and we can remote trigger photo booths handheld. Um, I mean, uh, touchless. We can drive engagement to the virtual booths. We can... Um, share with that way and, and um i think that's going to be a big trend are these qrs i have yeah. a lot of clients doing the virtual uh booths right now that we send a qr code to because they build it into a mailer um, we're working with dreamworks animation and they do a lot of they do internal events with us so they're doing a big halloween thing and they sent every employee a gift box with like i don't know candy some masks some things for their kids to color but then they had a qr code uh postcard inside that said like start your virtual photo booth experience with us 
and these guests just flock to it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, we turned it on and we're already a few hundred photos in on day one. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of easy, isn't it? It's super easy. Uh, you know, it, it takes a bit of planning obviously and, and some like resource and, and time, but it, it's pretty easy to, to create an experience that will kind of delight people. Yeah. And I then, mean, I, in terms of when events come back to what they were in 2019, you're going to see more and more trends of really high end things. Um, we, we've been trying to push, if you've ever watched like the red carpet on the Emmys or the Oscars, they have a thing called Glambot. And this is what I was talking about with BMW before. Uh, it's a robotic arm that's used in, in cinema and it does really fast moves and you use a slow motion camera and you slow down a, a two second clip into 15 seconds and you get these really dynamic moments. And this is where my TV expertise and my, my side business hustle, my photo booth world collide, where I want to merge these two and create the, these high-end experiences for brands next in New York, where we're bringing in these robot arms and we're doing things that are just wow moments. Um, I, I'm always trying to stay one or two steps ahead of everybody else before they get it. Um, it started with our 360 photo booths. Now everyone has 360, so we're moving on to this. Um, and we try to create trends at the same time. I mean, we, I, I can see, I'm pretty good at seeing what's happening around us and, and seeing how it can become a trend pretty quickly. Um, and I definitely think this is where we're heading. Uh, photos are will always be here, but I think we're slowly making this major shift to video in events, um, be it steady cameras and instant editing to slow motion to um, green screen video running on a green treadmill and putting you in an immersive environment, these kind of things. Um, people want to experience what it's like to be in a commercial or be in, a, in an action movie. Um, yeah. And our technology is so advanced now that we can, we can finally do this for guests with rendering in under a minute versus, you know, rendering that would take 30 minutes per session. And it just wasn't feasible back then. Yeah. Um, you're seeing TikTok as a huge trend right now. And it's actually where I look to a lot for trends. I, I, the things these kids do on TikTok, I don't know if you've ever browsed the app. I never used the app before uh, quarantine started. And now I'm on it probably four hours a day at night, just endlessly scrolling. And, but like some of the edits these kids do are amazing. I mean, the tools at their hands, the transitions they do, the, the creativeness they have. Uh, I hope they're not going to take over my industry personally, but you know, I get, I get these clients are like, we want a TikTok booth. I'm like, well, there's no such thing like kids yeah. just make videos and kids take a lot of time to create these videos. It's not an instant thing. Like they, they learn dances, they learn after effects, they learn final cut pro and they, they put together this minute long content and it's fascinating to watch. Um, but it also, there are things that I see and I'm like, I wonder if I could turn that into a photo activation. And that's my, my new source of uh, inspiration. Definitely these days. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it's one of those apps that's literally designed to get you just next video, next video, next video. 
Um, I, I've, I've been having a look at reels on on Instagram because yeah. it's it's basically the same thing. It's basically it? the same, but there's so um, much more on TikTok. And you, yeah, the, I guess there's more on TikTok. You you get quite a lot of stuff that's cross posted. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So I still get to see it. It's probably a good but thing that I don't have it because some brands yeah. are are just doing so well on TikTok. I yeah. mean, there 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 are brands that I stop and I'm like, they made the right hire with whoever they hired to do this social, and it's just it, it's just smart and funny. I, I mean, I've seen there are these two guys that just do the same dance, same dance every video, same song, and they do it in different locations. I know, they, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, and they do it based upon where people tell them to do it in the comments. But then you just okay. start seeing. So that mall I was talking about, they asked them to. They said, "Come do it at our water park." They did free. You know, I don't know if they're being paid or what, but they're geniuses. I've seen them do it at multiple sporting arenas with multiple brands, like. Everyone just jumps on the trend, and it's it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, if it's the, the people I'm, th- I'm thinking of, it's well, obviously it was what like six seconds. Yeah, something it's, like that. It's not the even same, long. Same music, same dance. There's uh, literally the location and sometimes costumes and things. Yeah, and exactly. You can, you can watch like ten of them in a row, just yeah. the same thing, and yeah, it just keeps going. They were like um, they were on a football field with one of like. The NFL star players because he's a TikTok star too, and they did it all together. Yeah, and just, who has that life? But like, they, I assume they're getting paid. I hope they're getting paid to promote brands and teams and sports and whatnot. But it's a it's a definitely a different marketing world now, and yeah. Yeah. it's so subliminal in a way because you're just like, oh, look where they are now, but you're being shown a brand, you're being shown an organization, a place, et cetera. And you're like, huh, okay. Well, they did it at this water park at the mall. I didn't know that water park had this slide. Now I'm kind of interested in going, you know, it's. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. Uh, just, just one thing on, on QR codes I wanted to mention. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I remember looking into QR codes kind of like 10 years ago for marketing and right. obviously no one could use them. Right. Unless you downloaded a specific app for it. Right. And now it's built into every camera. And now it's built in. Um, But there's one thing, uh, because we always thought, well, and we were kind of looking into beacons and things at the same time, because we were wondering what we could do on the the London Underground. Mm -hmm. Um, Because obviously you get uh, between, I think you get up to about two, well, depending on the line, maybe up to three, four minutes uh, of someone's attention potentially because uh, they're waiting for a train. And all right. we've got to do is stand on that platform. Now, not only do we have Wi-Fi, I think across the entire underground network, um, uh, across parts of it, we also have 4G connection. So mm-hmm. the, the you can now be, you can browse the internet. You know, So the appeal of these adverts that are literally just text and images and, mm-hmm. and hope that you will you know, maybe look it up, it's kind of you know, the attention's gone because now people can just use sit there on their phones. Right. And I haven't seen anything yet, which just says, scan this QR code. You know, I'm sure with certain brands, you could just literally have the logo and a QR code, yep. a massive QR and, code, and, and people would, would be curious enough to curious. scan it. And whatever they're paying for that advert in the underground, they could do it once and change their marketing message that that QR code links to every, every day if they wanted to. Yeah. You know, they could save money and probably generate more traffic. Yeah. And you, and you could put a video on it. 
you, you could have video a video advert instead. Trigger a contest. You could do anything. You, you know, a, a quiz. You could do so much. You could literally just put uh, a, a a poster of a QR and just say like, "Got five minutes? Let's win." You know, and and yeah. someone, what is that? And then next thing you know, you're in this immersive environment on your phone that's all branded. Exactly. I can't believe. I can't believe people aren't doing this. Right, um, yeah. I mean, I know, I know it's expensive, and I know footfall is down. But footfall being down means that you know the, the prices. I bet the prices have come right sure. down. You can always get a deal on it. Every time I've negotiated um, prices for advertising on the tube, they've they basically say to you, "This is the price." Um, but if you book this week, we'll do it at like fifty percent off. And then you just have to say, oh, I've thought about it. It seems a bit pricey. Okay, 20% off again. <laughs> and you're like, all right, okay, we'll do it now. So yeah. prices will be down a lot at the moment because the footfall's obviously down. Right. And so it's even better reason to have something interactive that you can change. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. One of my, so, favorite, uh, my favorite billboard I ever see, or it's, it's, um, it's like a bus station sign or it's on like a bench. And it used to be in this town I lived in and it's still there. And all it says is you just prove these signs work. And then it's like advertised with us in their phone number. And I'm like, it gets me every time because I'm like, I, you sublimely don't realize that you look at all these advertisements as you go on with your daily life until you see something call you out on it. Well, it's because <laughs> most, most of them aren't very good and don't grab your True. attention. True. Um, there's a reason, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, I don't know if you'd have these adverts, but the Johnny, uh, not Johnny Walker, um, Jack Daniels adverts in the UK, well known for being like a wall of text on the tube stations. So the ones like opposite where you're standing waiting for the train, it's just, it's a huge amount of text and it just tells a story each time. Yeah. It's just a little part of the, of the Jack Daniels story. And, and do people read it? Yeah, people do. Because it actually... It's so different and it feels like it's an ad that shouldn't work because you're yeah, having yeah. to read text, which is why people people read it. And now people know that's the Jack Daniels adverts. Mm. Um, I think people read them all the time, but most of the time these ads just just aren't particularly good. Uh, you'd be, it'd be such a better use of your money just to literally stick a QR code on there yeah. and, and test out 10, 15 different adverts instead. Uh-huh. Totally. Um, in fact, you could literally just, eight, you could set up, 10 split tests um probably and yeah ah the the, the potential <laughs> right um yeah, i mean you're, you're talking about beacons and 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 uh geofencing there's nothing stopping competitors that see their competitor that has a storefront with um an advertising space right next to it be it uh, a bus stop or whatnot that could literally say like want to try something different scan here yeah, and, you know, curiosity and just drive customers away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all right, it's it's pretty aggressive. Uh, I, know, yeah. I know a lot of brands stay away from that just because of um, yeah, sure. What's it called? Like you kind of have your own gentleman's agreements, right? Don't don't be too aggressive against each other, right? But but yeah, you could have, you know, you could do it a bit more subtly. Just have have the brand oh, logo yeah, totally. and that massive QR code, right? <laughs> it doesn't have to be something that's super obviously. Uh, right attacking that brand <laughs> um Mitchell, moving on because uh we're, we're running out of time but uh, do, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing just generally like um, yourself yeah i it i hate retargeting i understand it's 
um, need and its effectiveness, especially if you're running Shopify accounts or you're you're selling physical goods. Um, I just can't stand seeing the same ad on everything that I do. And then more so if I've already bought the product, I can't stand being sold the same product I already own. And that there's no way to say, I already bought this, please stop showing me it. Um, and it, it, there are times where it turns me off of a brand. Um, I'm sure it does more good than it does bad to most people. And maybe it's because um, I'm in the place that I'm in and I understand this stuff a little differently than the general consumer. Um, yeah. But like I run ad blockers everywhere that I can, but you can only block so much, you know, with Instagram and, and TikTok and all the social apps and whatnot. And I just, some of them are just so aggressive and their ad spend is so high. Yeah. And I, um, I think if, if you've bought the product, uh, it's likely they're just not, they haven't set things up correctly. They're not, um, right. Or I bought it physically in a store, you know, or, or whatnot. Or there's sometimes like I buy a product, then I go to their website to look up something about it, which then triggers the retargeting. And I'm like, ah, like, I I think a lot of the time it's okay. Um, But it's, it's one of these things where the, when you have like a negative experience or like emotion towards a brand, you notice it a lot more. So you probably don't notice a lot of the retargeting that's done but it's the ones where every ad slot is that brand with the same advert. That's when you notice it and you go, Oh, come on. Like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to cover every web page in your adverts to try and convince right. me to come back and purchase. Um, so right. I, I do get that, but uh, yeah. And I, I think I know a few brands that, that either do it or used <laughs> to do it. Um, but yeah, like normally if, if you purchased it online and they still retarget you, that's uh I think that they've probably just got something set up a bit incorrectly or they're not just, they're just not excluding people. My only other, and I don't know if it's a pet peeve and, and maybe when I say this, I'm going to think, well, maybe it's actually exactly what they want. You ever see like a TV commercial or something and you're just like, I am, I want to know what it was like in whatever board meeting they had where they thought this was a great idea. And yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't. But then I'm thinking to myself, well, now I'm sitting here thinking about it more than I should. And is that the point? Is it, Was that their end goal that like it's stuck in my head now that their advert was so bad? Or, uh, or is that because you're a marketer? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a marketing thing. Like I, I, I pick up on some of these things. Um, some, some of them I feel like are quite obvious and, and anyone would pick up on. I remember there's a... Um, or there used to be a an advert. I can't remember what the website is. Well, because of reasons I'm about to explain. Um, it, it was an, an animated advert where a postman would turn up to this guy's house every day with some new, like brand new electronic, like something you know, something awesome. And it eventually goes, "Oh, where'd you get all this uh, all this brand new stuff from?" And the guy explains the the website, and then they um, so they mention the brand name once or twice in the advert, I think. And then they write it on the postman's hand, like in front of you on the screen. But then pretty much as soon as he'd finished writing it, the the screen went, like the frame ended. So there was just no opportunity to actually like take note of what that website name was. And and I can't remember it. Um, But I remember the ad so well. And I remember it because it it bothered me that it did that. (laughs) That's really funny. 
Um, so just finally, do you think there's any particular really underrated aspects of marketing right now? Obviously excluding photo briefs yeah. and things. Um, I love a brand that has really clean branding, their typeface, their logo, really modernized. Um, it's funny. I was watching, I don't know if you, if you tune in for like when Apple does their product release events um, and they usually do it in front of an audience of reporters and, and media. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, it's a keynote presentation. And then they had to change this year to pre-done videos and if you go watch the iPhone 12 announcement video, it is one of the most fascinating hour and a half you'll ever watch. Their branding, their stylistic approach, it, I couldn't tell what was real, what was fake, what was CGI. It was fascinating. And everything was constantly moving. People were walking in and out of frames seamlessly. And I'm just like, this is, this is what Apple's brand is to me. And this, is, this reflects their design on their products. And it reflects their design and their marketing and, and their approach to um, their sales. And it, it just like, I'm an Apple sheep to begin with. But I, I, I saw this and I just was like, I hope they never, ever go back to in-person keynote events it just does not do them nearly anything like this video has done and oh, really I, i'd love to check it out now. oh my god i, I know that i, I know started seeing all my friends were posting it we were all posting on instagram stories like holy hell apple which is just like you know who posts about a product release video <laughs> it's just like it's it's not something people talk about generally yeah, uh, yeah. The, the aesthetic of it not not the product itself i mean we were all more into the physical production value of what they did than what they were selling. And it, yeah. it, it was awesome. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I, I do, I do prefer a nicely designed website. Yeah. Um, it, it just, for me, it adds an element of trust. Oh yeah. Um, you know, their if, parallax if, on their website. I've never seen anything like it either. I mean, it's just endless. Oh uh, yeah. I mean the, the product page for the iPhone is always, it's always yeah. fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, no, completely agree. I think it's it's really important to have a nicely designed site. But yeah, you're right. It's it's the fact that uh, it's it's evident throughout the company. Yeah, uh, it's not just an advert or the keynote or, or or the product page. The same principles apply to their stores, their sales process, it, the, the actual it, products themselves. Their headquarters. Clean, I mean, they built their own headquarters from from scratch. I, I it was funny. I was driving yesterday and I passed. Um, an office building and it said NetJets on the side and NetJets is like a private plane aviation company, like very, oh, very expensive, very high end. And they had this ugly brick building. And I, I literally said to my friend, I go, not the office building I would expect for this brand. But then you look at yeah. Apple with their infinite loop campus and it's one big like spaceship and things are underground and there's, there's um, you know, the, the landscape and the architecture and everything is just uniquely Apple. They they just they their brand is through and through from everything they do. I mean, it it, it does help when the cost of that building is just like a few months worth of sales. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> have got that going for them. Yeah, but um, yeah, cool. I mean, Zach, this has been really really great. Really, uh, I love this stuff, this ex experience of stuff. And when you're like combining the in store and the off on the on the online. 
as well and you know virtual to in-store yeah um, i think it's yeah it's it's fantastic it's it's such an exciting part of like the customer journey and the experience totally um if people want to connect with you or, or find out more what's the best way of doing that yeah, they can um, go right to our website at studiozphotobooths.com and they can click the contact us tab um, and reach us that way or my email and phone number are plastered on the website as well. Um, we're on Instagram. We're not as active as we should be, but at Studio Z Photo Booths. Um, and yeah, I'm on LinkedIn personally, Zach Schiffman. And I'm always happy to talk to anybody. I love uh, industry talk, so it's fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Some great ideas there from Zach. It's so important to make sure that if you're going to run a customer activation activity at an event or even online, you do it right. You have to give people a reason to engage and to share the content. The days of just sharing a hashtag because you've been asked to are, are over. More and more people want to be seen as influencers these days, even if they have a really tiny following. They, they value their social media accounts much more now and what they post on them. So if you're going to ask them to share your brand, it's got to be something they genuinely want to share. It's got to be fun and engaging, something that makes them feel closer to the brand and not just part of a marketing ploy. It's definitely worth looking into these experiences, but again, it's it's important to do it right. And part of that is budget and resource. You can't just whip one of these up quickly and, and give it a go. Uh, you might even do more harm than good, really. Definitely worth reaching out to Zach. Uh, if you're interested in running an activation experience, you can find him on LinkedIn or head over to studiozphotobooths.com. Next up, I've got May Kowalski, uh, the founder of Obviously, an influencer marketing agency and tech platform. And we'll be talking about how influencer marketing has developed over the years. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Yeah.